And today we have a great guest. Jennifer Say is here. Her new book, her recent book, is uh, Levi's Unbuttoned. She was a brand president at Levi Strauss and uh, was essentially uh, let go. She'll tell us the details about this because she dared to raise her hand, much like Jay Bhattacharya and many of the people we interview here. Dared. How dare she raise her hand and say, I, I, I think we're doing something wrong here. Um, and now, the, three years later, the New York Times has come out and get, essentially confirmed everything she was worried about. And any rational person should have been at least concerned about, if not in a panic about what we were doing to children. It was so obvious. And uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, Jennifer has a great pedigree. She's an author, filmmaker, business executive. She was a gymnast and she uh, competed, I believe, with Stanford. She was on the U.S. Olympic team, had a severe injury, and uh, that was the end of her her gymnastic career. She was chief marketing officer and, and global brand president in January 22 when she stepped down. I'll tell you a little more about it after this break. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. You have trouble. You can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need. But if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z -Pak. The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites, to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. And so let me give you some more details about Jennifer Say. You can follow her on X at Jennifer Say, S-E-Y, not S-A-Y, S-E-Y. Her substack is jennifersay.substack.com. Uh, her website is Say Everything, S-E-Y, everything, one word, dot com. The book, as I mentioned, is Levi's Unbuttoned. But really what we want you guys to go look at is her new documentary, Generation COVID. Uh, you can find that at YouTube backslash Generation COVID Film. There's also a Generation COVID Film channel. Uh, this is about what we have done to young people and what she and I are going to get into a little bit today. Let me tell you again a little more about her. She was a 1986 USA Gymnast National Champion, seven-time member of the U.S. Women's National Team. 
She her first memoir, mem- memoir was about uh, gymnastics. It was called Chalked Up, and she actually did a documentary, Emmy Award winning documentary, Athlete A, which connected the crimes of Larry Nassar to some of the broader abuses of the Olympic movement. As I said, in addition to author, filmmaker, business executive, she began working at Levi Strauss in 1999. Uh, She got to the level of chief marketing officer and then global brand president in January of 22. She was asked to resign because she dared to oppose. It's so funny. In her Wikipedia, it says, Say says that she, uh, as though they have to twist it. They have to put some nonsense in, the, in every word they choose. She was asked to stop down because step down because she was concerned about public the the excessive extended closure of the San Francisco public schools. Please welcome Jennifer Say. Welcome, Jennifer. Nice to see you, Dr. Drew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to see you as well. Isn't that? Did you know? If you do, you ever read your Wikipedia? You know, I check every once in a while. I, I I actually checked. I think about two days ago, and it was a lot less sort of conspiracy laden than it was before. Mm-hmm. I used to be called a conspiracy mm-hmm. theorist for thinking schools should open. So they uh-huh. took that out. Whoever whoever edits, so it's a little better. We're making progress. Mm-hmm. They, and let's let's as long as it's on my mind let's address what happened at levi strauss you you did you say something publicly did you raise your hand just uh, in in at the community there level the community level what happened yeah i mean i was very outspoken from the get-go march 2020 when i saw school closures coming and they came fast and furious in california where i used to live mm-hmm. um Mm-hmm. I was opposed to it from the beginning, which, as you are well aware, there weren't very many of us. Um, but I was alarmed by it, and I didn't see an off ramp from the beginning. I knew, you know, they said it was two weeks. I knew it wouldn't be two weeks. I knew that the most vulnerable children would be harmed the most. You know, all the things that happened. Of course. I saw coming, and I don't need to be a doctor. I'm grateful for doctors like Dr. Bhattacharya and you, and scientists like Martin Kuldorf and doctors like Sunetra Gupta, but I'm sorry, I'm a mother of four. I don't need to be a doctor to know that isolating mm-hmm. children at home alone on stupid Zoom school is going to be really harmful. And by the way, while you're doing that, you're telling them that they're selfish jerks for wanting to see their friends and for wanting everyday things and milestones like graduation. You're literally telling them they're horrible people. So when yeah. you you know, when you signal to children that their needs come last societally, because let's be real, bars opened, strip clubs opened, 60,000 person stadiums opened, and kids couldn't still play, couldn't play youth sports and couldn't go to English class. So we sent the very strong signal that their needs come last. We expect them to take a bullet for us. And you know what? They listened. And now we're seeing record high absentee levels. I mean, there are some cities that have chronic absenteeism levels between 60 and 90% of children. That's 60 and 90% of kids that are missing more than 10% of the school days. Well, you know what? We told them their schooling wasn't important and they listened to us. That's what happened. And I didn't need to be a doctor. (laughs) Right. And what Caleb threw up there, this is another physician, uh, 
posted this uh, this letter from the New York Times, pandemic learning loss, not an emergency. That was one year ago exactly. Yeah. And now they publish a large editorial board article, the startling evidence on learning loss is in. Startling, staggering, all yeah. those words they love using. Yeah, uh, well, well done, all. startling. Now, not at all. Should have been predictable. Predictable would have been the word that they should have used. Were they honest? It makes yeah. me so angry. I, I mean, it was. Uh, it makes me so angry. People say to me, "Oh, don't you feel a sense of you know redemption?" And to I didn't fully answer your first question, which is, you know, did I speak up early? Yes, very early. I was vocal on social media. I wrote op eds. I led right. open schools rallies in my town of San Francisco. Schools were closed in California, the longest of any other state, nineteen months. Um, I was on television programs. I had the audacity to go on the Ingram Angle, which is what really was the nail in my coffin amongst my uh -huh. my uh, lefty circles in San Francisco and at my um, mm. place of work. But even during that time, you know, I continued to do a really good job. I got promoted. You know, you said I was the chief marketing officer for eight years. I was a longtime employee, 23 years. So, you know, well-known, well-liked. Mm. And I got promoted during all of this, which I think is a testament to the fact that I was doing a, a good job. But it was, you know, pretty mm -hmm. relentless. Every day I was told, you need to stop. People don't like it. And I would say, no, thank you. I was very polite. I was very diplomatic. My own children go to public school, always have. Um, and, you know, I knew what was going to happen. And I was astonished by it. And by the fall of 2020, Dr. Drew, when the private schools opened, I mean, that just set me on fire. I don't know how anyone could abide by that hypocrisy that the wealthy people screaming that we're all in this together are sending their children to $60,000 a year in-person private schools and yelling at everybody else to stay home. No. Yeah. No. Disgusting. So I wasn't disgusting. quiet about it. It was disgusting and incredibly classist. It's structural classism. It's structural racism. The irony is I mm -hmm. was the one called a racist. You know, the rationale yeah. there being, I don't care if black children die because I'm advocating for open schools. So it was relentless for two years. And then eventually I was, um, you know, ousted from the company. And rather what, than, you know, take what was that? what was that conversation? Well, can you talk about it or are you going to go after that? Or did you go after them a little bit for a wrongful discharge or? No, I walked away. I just walked mm. away. I wanted to be able mm. to walk away with my voice yeah. um, because in addition to how alarming these policies were, what became increasingly alarming, and you touched on this with the opening clip with Dr. J, was the censorship. Um, there was literal censorship. You know, had the government pressuring Twitter, for instance, or X, I should call it now, um, blacklisting Dr. Bhattacharya from the day that he joined Twitter. But the social censorship was really intense as well. And that mm -hmm. prevented uh, people from, from standing up. I mean, I have, I have little patience now, you know, there's so many people now that this New York times piece has come out and it's really definitively saying this is the most catastrophic thing that's ever happened to American public schooling and people say, Oh, finally. And I want to say, well, where were you? Because I stood yeah. up along with my husband yeah. alone and took the yeah. bullet. It, it, you know, it's this, I'm seeing a lot of this lately. Well, we didn't know. What are you supposed to know? How did we know? How did we know? How did we know? One of my proudest moments was I was on a Fox local channel here, the Fox 11, the Fox think Simpsons and Family Guy Fox, not Fox News. Yeah, yeah. And we did a nightly show to sort of try to bring people up to speed with things. And uh, early into the program, the LA Unified announced they were going to close. And we brought in a board member. And I said, who told you to close? Where did you get that idea? 
that school closure is the right thing to do? Did you talk to an infectious disease consultant? Did somebody come in and advise you? No, it's just the right thing to do. That is how pathetic the decision-making was at the time. And of course, the decision, as you pointed out, to bring kids back, that got even weirder. I remember later, now we're six, eight months down the line, I talked to a LA Unified member, uh, LA Unified uh, Union, LA Unified School Teachers, LA Unified Teachers Union member. Was it a union or was it LA Unified board member it was i can't remember to tell you the truth it was either la unified board i think it was a teachers union member it was a secretary from one of those groups and i kept telling her, she goes well we need you know we need plastic up we need plexiglass and uh. we need we need gloves and we need this we need that i said okay i'll grant you that if that's what you need to go back to school let's do it right now how long is it going to take she goes what, what, what i said no no how long how long to get that material let's go what do you need two weeks three weeks good let's get back to school no. She accused me of being yeah. a sexist. I was sexist oh. for saying that. Of course you were. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, LA was yeah. terrible. I know uh, Barbara Ferrer, I think is your <laughs> county public health person. I hear someone laughing. She's one of the worst. I really long for the day when I don't know um, who the local public health bureaucrats are across yes, the, across the nation. Sure. But I followed it very, very closely. But a similar thing happened in San Francisco. You know, once the vaccine was mm. available in early 21, the teachers demanded to be first in line. They got first in line and then still refused to open in 2021 right. in the spring. Right. Um, That's right. You know, and they had the audacity to open school for one day, one day in May of 2021 for high school students and declare victory that they had opened schools. I mean, are you kidding me? And then, you know, I left San Francisco in, you know, February 21 because I gave up. They were threatening not to open schools in the fall of 21. And I think it's important to remember mm. that even after they opened in 21, kids were still under onerous restrictions. You know, there's a there's a mm. young man in our film who is from New York and he lives um, he lived in Queens. Even after school opened, there were no sports. Um, there were all sorts of prohibitions about who could play sports and how they could play sports. So, you know, there was still six feet of distancing, which we now know came out of nowhere. It was just sort of pulled out of, it's a number pulled out of the air. And so the kids, you know, for well, a, a year more, were dealing with really intense, onerous restrictions um, that impede their ability to learn. And of course, now we're seeing it's not just learning loss. There's all sorts of um, developmental setbacks for the youngest children who didn't kind of learn to be in the classroom. And, you know, we spoke to teachers for the film, high school teachers, the violence in the schools is out of control mm. because kids didn't learn how to kind of move from a junior high mindset, a middle school mindset to a high school mindset. They're disengaged. They're on their phones all day because we told them to be on their phones all day. They're depressed. Mm -hmm. They're anxious. Um, they're suicidal. And like I said, we told them they didn't matter and school didn't matter. So guess what? They're also not going to school. They're not going. Mm. It's it's well, utterly unsurprising. They may be. They yeah. And I was trying the 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 academic and developmental outcome to me beg no conversation. It was so obvious. Like I I didn't even focus on that. What I was focused on was the 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 damage the emotional damage that you do to a child. And I kept saying eight to 15 year olds, because that seemed to me like the, the group that would be most affected by this. You say to them, you, their most important source of development is their peers. 
and you tell yes. them you can't be with your peers, you can't have contact with the outside world, you're going to sit on a screen where your access to pornography and whatnot is is heightened and people are sending around horrible things. And a friend of mine is a psychologist that studied all this, and the, the rate at which that was happening it will blow your mind, uh, but I that data is yeah. available. It's available. Uh, and then we said, should you dare to do anything else, you're going to kill your family. You're going to kill That's your right. family. You tell that to an eight-year-old that if they do not shelter in place, that was the term used down here, shelter in place, which is we the phrase used for an incoming nuclear missile. That's when you shelter <laughs> in place. Otherwise, if you don't shelter in place, you're going to kill your family. You're eight years old. Can you imagine the profound impact I that can. would have? Yeah, I had a six-year-old. I had every age group, yeah. Drew. I had, I had a, yeah. a, a, a college student, a high school student, a kindergartner, and a preschooler. Mm. Don't ask about the split in between, but I, had, I saw every age break. And even for the very youngest children, I will tell you, think about the speech delays because they can't see um, people's oh, yeah. mouths. That's yeah. how they learn to talk. That's how they learn to read. Mm. Think about children with um, who are hearing impaired. Think about children with developmental disabilities. There's a child in our film who has oh. Down syndrome. They were denied, you know, legally required services. She didn't understand what was happening. I mean, the isolation for this child who was, I think, eight years old at the very beginning was so intense and she didn't know how to ask for help. Um, and I, I agree with you. I wrote about this pretty early on. Um, the guilt we inflicted on these kids for wanting any yes. sense of normalcy. They were made to feel as if they were bad people for wanting very basic things at that yeah. age, to your point, when yeah. they are just supposed to be individuating from their parents. They're not supposed to be home yep. with me all the time when they're 15, yep. 16 years yep. old. They're supposed to be with their friends forging their their own identities and they were denied mm -hmm. that opportunity mm -hmm. and here was the thing the other thing that really pissed me off the whole time is every milestone that was missed right whether it was a graduation or my son's preschool graduation outside that we could not have everyone it was like what whatever it's just a graduation it's just a dance it's just a homecoming you know what we offered them no hope for when that would end. There's a there's a family right. featured in our film called Generation COVID. They lost their son to suicide. When you when you <laughs> offer no hope as to when it might end, and think about that. Think back when you were a kid. Those things were everything. Those milestones you look oh, yeah. forward to. And school was oh, your, it wasn't just an education. It was your community. A kind word from a teacher oh. or a friend could pull you out of the you know the dumps, and you look forward to the dance or the game or the debate or whatever thing you did. And you had none of that, and you had no hope for yeah. it ever ending. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I you're absolutely correct. But but I, I'm thinking right now about something else. I was saying it's going to drive Susan crazy. Maybe we'd put Susan on camera for this also, <laughs> because turn your mic on. Because um, oh no, what is it? Well, because back when the the developmental and cognitive delays that were going to come from school closures were becoming so obvious and unending, the if you remember the Ukrainian war broke out in the middle of this, and I would say every day, listen to the Ukrainian moms who are crossing the border into Poland, a, lang a language they do not speak. They're taking their kids. There are reporters waiting at the Polish border, the Poland border, talking to these Ukrainian women going, what do you think? How is it? What's going on? And they all said the same thing. This is terrible. We're leaving our sons and our husbands behind. This is awful. This is terrible. But we're going we're gonna to come over to Poland. And 
these kids, they've been out of school for two weeks. Two weeks. we got to get back in school in a, in a school system where they don't even speak the language. Two weeks seemed yeah. so outrageous that they were in a hurry to get to Poland to put their the kids, kids school. in school. Two weeks. Exactly. And it That's was 19 something? months. And the thing I hear from people all the time now is, what are you talking about? Why are you still on about this? What are you on about? It was a couple of weeks. I'm sorry. Where did you live? Because... On March yeah. 13th, when all of the public schools in America shut down, that's 50 million American students with very few exceptions, a few schools that went rogue and yep. stayed open. A full, they promised yep. it would be two weeks, three weeks. A full year later, yep. half of them, 25 million students, were still in disrupted schooling. And that went on yep. for another six to eight months. And you're right. There was school during the London Blitz. I mean, school is a priority. Yep. Everybody knows we prioritize children and their education. Children are the future. It's a cliche. It's a song. I know it, but it's yep. true. And we put their needs last. It's criminal. It's a moral atrocity. I'm telling you, it really is. Well, and, and people will two say- things. Two things. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I, you know, people will, say, people will say, well, it's not all the kids. Some of the kids are fine. Yes, yeah, some of them are fine. But even if yeah. there is an increase of 5% or 10% that do not graduate and cannot read, and we know the reading numbers are horrible already. I mean, there's some cities in America where 0% of the kids in fifth, sixth, and seventh grade can read at grade level. But even if it's just an increase of 5%, that's a catastrophe, not just for this generation, but for all of us. Because if those kids can't work and be productive in the world, I mean, what happens to this country? It's a it's and, a literal catastrophe. Hey, it's a catastrophe. And look at the incidence of depression and anxiety. It's off the chart, and it was predictable. So the reason you and I are pissed is I, I would have been willing to, more than willing to, to look at that New York Times article and go, well, finally, everybody's agreeing. This is good. But you still, I'm looking at my restream chat room here, and people are still like, it was only a few weeks. What's the big deal? It's like, so still people don't appreciate what happened, number one. That's disgusting. Number two, if if it had been really a miscalculation, I, I would be very forgiving. But it was a, a hysteria that damaged young people. It's immoral. And... They destroyed lives of anyone who tried to stand up That's for right. the well-being of children. That is disgusting. You lost your career. Many people, we do mention Jay Bhattacharya, Aaron Cariotti was kicked out of his job. People lost their professional livelihood for daring to say things like, I'd like to follow my patients more closely and try early treatment. I don't know. Maybe it would work. Number one. Number two. Uh, I'm not sure school closures are a good thing. Well, let's get the kids back to school. That's number two. Number three was, uh, I don't think you have the data to mandate vaccines for kids to come back to school. I don't think it's there. Cancel. And kids Cancel. don't die from COVID. The, well, that wow. is a whole other thing that finally- But then the teachers do. Finally, so the teachers that, unions were like, well, I could get sick the, and die. Well, they don't either. I mean, the data was there from the beginning on that as well. As you well know, Dr. Drew and Dr. J mm -hmm. knows as well. From the very beginning, it was very clear that children are at thousands times less risk. And and any any age person, the elderly are at three to 4,000 times more risk. There are no elderly yep. people in- school <laughs> so in elementary school so there was never any reason to keep the children out of school there never was um and europe mm -hmm. learned this very quickly denmark reopened their schools three weeks in because to your point 
two to three weeks and they saw the harms done, not just to the children, but to women in the workforce. Um, there were all kinds of these sort of secondary knock-on effects from not having, you know, the ability to send your children to school. And they called us lazy wine moms and all of this, but it's like, it's a social compact that the public school system exists. You know, can I homeschool my kids? Am I capable? Probably, but you got to give me warning. And I was working a full-time job. So having four kids at home, yeah, that was that was pretty difficult, but the data was there. And here's what the schools in Denmark and Finland and all the Northern European countries, including the UK, you know what they did? They opened the doors. They opened the windows sometimes and they opened the doors. There were no fancy filtration systems. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. They literally opened the doors a month in and that yeah. was that. Yeah. 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 No, listen, that's, that, that is the, so, you know, should I, we tell Jennifer what's coming from China though now? Just to put it after the after the, after <laughs> after the break, but but I but I I you know I've noticed there's all this chatter in the press. How do you stay safe during Thanksgiving? How do you stay safe? You stay safe by effing doing what you've always done when your family gathered. Don't drink and drive. <laughs> Don't drink too much and get in fights with your family. Maybe would reduce your your caloric intake on the holidays. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just what do we do to stay safe during Thanksgiving? We need the government to come in and do that. That is a level of insanity that just I just can't even imagine where that people are have the temerity to. Put Put that in a newspaper or a report on television. It's a communist. What, we just well. Well, it's also we've just validated like the height of neuroses. Like they used to be. Yeah. You those the people that were like that scared to be around other people and you know did all the weird stuff and had hand side like those were people we felt sorry for, and we yes. Sort of, I'm not going to say make fun of them, but we knew you know we were gentle with them, but we didn't sort of validate their you know, intense neurotic fears and by all uh, doing forget all validate, subject everybody in right. the world <laughs> right. to the same thing. And look, uh, we are human beings. We are biological beings. We get sick. That's, that's a truth. Now right. I, and, and pandemics come and they are terrible. Let's not, let's not, let's not downplay no. how awful pandemics are and that people die. That's not the point at all. Lots of people died and we, people, and at the beginning, I do understand that there was some confusion. We were doing the best we could. I, I get it. I get it. But then it became absurd and they, uh, you know, both the canceling of people who were trying to get thing, the ship righted and the, the time it took to get things and the kinds of this still going on the weird sort of if you if you suggest something that's true you must be a member of one party or another it's like well, oh what? Yeah. what what is that yeah, all about but that. yeah but that's that's very bizarre that. thankfully i'm independent yeah. so i've been for years so i just go please give me a break I, I saw somebody today going, well, it's a different different issue. I, I got to take a break. Jennifer Say is here. Uh, tell them, uh, again, is the best place to see the movie, we're going to talk about it after the break, Jennifer Je Generation COVID Film Channel at YouTube. Is that correct? I think if you go to YouTube backslash at generation dash COVID, then you'll find right. it. Sorry, that's at complicated. Generation. Or you can go to my website, sayeverything.com. Perfect. All right, we'll be back with more Jennifer Say after this. If you're trying to figure out the right present for someone, you will not go wrong with gifting the most comfortable sheets, clothing, and accessories that your friends and family have ever felt. Of course, I'm talking about Cozy Earth. 
Cozy Earth has the softest and most comfortable sheets, blankets, towels, PJs, joggers, and more guaranteed. Susan and I love them. In fact, we still have Cozy Earth sheets on our bed. I slept in them last night. I was thinking about how great they were. And look at this. I'm wearing one of their super comfortable t-shirts right now. I don't get, I just can't get enough of Cozy Earth. Their sheets are durable, machine washable, and come with a 10-year warranty against defects. So no surprise that Cozy Earth's brand has been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things for five years in a row. Whether it's their luxury pajamas, super soft bedding, loungewear, or plush bath towels, you will love shopping and gift giving at Cozy Earth. Here's my gift to you this holiday season. Go to CozyEarth.com, enter code DREW to save 40%. That's CozyEarth.com with code DREW. CozyEarth.com, code DREW, save 40%. Susan and I have been looking for nutrition-packed, great-tasting greens drink for a while. And then we tried our friends at Paleo Valley's Organic Super Greens, which is superior to what's out there on the market. Our friends at Paleo Valley, well, they think of everything, and they've created what's been called a magical green powerhouse. All three delicious varieties, pure unflavored, strawberry lemonade, and tropical, contain... 23 certified organic antioxidant-rich superfoods, including the highest quality spirulina. It's also free of cereal grasses, gluten, grains, soy, and dairy, and no added sugars or artificial sweeteners. And what's more, it delivers digestive enzymes, polyphenols, which are believed to burn fat, and eight essential amino acids. Imagine the time, effort, and cost of trying to make this yourself. It's impossible. Head on over to drdrew.com slash paleovalley, and you will get 15% off your first order. All the great products they have there, 15% off at drdrew.com slash paleo, P-A-L-E-O. Thanksgiving is almost here, which means it's time for the best GenuCell sale of the year. Just in time for the holidays, save over 60% off both of our personally tailored GenuCell skincare packages at genucell.com slash drew so you can look your very best at all of your Thanksgiving gatherings. Look 10, 15, 20 years younger, guaranteed with the best natural skincare anywhere. Take advantage of Genucell's best sale of the year and say goodbye to fine lines, crow's feet, puffiness, and dark spots. The Genucell experience is like no other, but don't take my word for it. You will look and feel your absolute best or your money back, no questions asked. So for results in 12 hours or less, Genucell's immediate effects is included for free. Plus, if you go to genucell.com slash drew now, you'll get a free upgrade to priority shipping. That is genucell.com slash drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash drew. Back with uh, Jennifer Say again. The movie is uh, COVID Ge Generation COVID. Do check it out. And uh, breaking news, Jennifer. Let me read it to you. Outbreak of unknown pneumonia strain hits Chinese schools. Uh, Five hundred miles northeast of the Liaoning province. Uh, influx of six children. Schools being on the brink of closure. I don't know where they got that data from. Children are showing typical symptoms: lung inflammation, high fever, no cough, uh, no RSV. Highlighted in the ProMed, uh, sort of whatever that uh, it's a it's an infectious disease thing. Uh, early notification played a crucial role in alerting doctors, scientists, and the World Health Organization to the emerging emerging health crisis. So. I guess we can be thankful of one thing. At least we don't have the WHO treaty in place so they can shut down the world again with fiat authority over all sovereign elected officials, which is what they're looking for. So I don't want to make light of a serious you know, illness. I didn't hear anything about hospitalizations. I didn't hear anything about consequences. Uh, an outbreak of a respiratory virus 
wouldn't it, since when is that news now okay now if it if i'm wrong if it ends up being a more serious thing i i take back what i said and we'll know soon enough but leave that to the infectious disease community before you panic the world do you agree I do agree, but I, I'm nervous even about the infectious disease community because they were part of furthering the fear and panic on COVID. You know, we, we viewed the world through one lens, you know, through the, the lens of this single respiratory virus, which was mild in the vast majority of people. And we failed to look at human beings as human beings. I mean, it's, I tend to, I focused on school closures and the harms to children. And I did that for a reason. I did that because I knew what I was saying was controversial, but I thought that children would be the bridge that I could sort of, mm. you know, convince people through our children. No one wants to harm children or so I thought. I was opposed to lockdowns. I was opposed to all of it. But, you know, there were so many other horrific things that happened. People died alone. Women gave birth alone. Mm. We couldn't have funerals. I had a very close friend who died in the summer of 2020, not from COVID. We were not permitted to have a funeral. This was a young woman. I mean, I'm still angry mm. about it that we weren't able to have a funeral. I mean, the list goes on and on, as you well know. Um, and this is what happens mm. when you, you know, just become so myopic and we let infectious disease quote unquote experts who are experts in one thing, but not human psychology and not sociology and not philosophy and not sort of the poetry of life and, you know, the things that we need in our lives. We let that run the show. So I don't even want to listen to them right now, to be honest with you. I, I understand that. And, and it, my sense was it really wasn't the infectious disease physicians. That's why I kept asking, what are they saying? They're not, they're not speaking up. They're not part of this chorus. It really was the politicians and these public health officials. And even, you should be aware of this, even when the public health officials were doctors, they were not infectious yeah. disease doctors. They were not internists. They were pediatri pediatricians. Because, because pediatricians well, historically dealt with the vaccine issues, and that was sure. the public health focus. And so you have pediatrician ma pediatricians making extremely difficult decisions about adult medicine for which they have zero training, zero training. And yeah. that to me was, I could see that having an effect throughout the, uh, the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, you had Ferrer, your public health person. Well, she's in, not a doctor. Uh, she's not a physician. She's not a doctor at all. I know she's not yeah. even a physician, yeah. but these were the voices that yeah. were elevated and the voices of doctors like Dr. Bhattacharya and Sunetra Gupta, they were, you know, from these, mm -hmm. they're renowned institutions. They're very accomplished mm -hmm. people. Um, statisticians mm -hmm. like John Ioannidis, who said it from the very beginning, you know, that's when I kind of went down the rabbit hole when I started reading what he was writing about. Um, they were suddenly shunted off to the side as sort of fringe. I'm sorry, Oxford, Stanford, Harvard, <laughs> this is not fringe. Um, yeah. So you can yeah. imagine what happened to someone like me, you know, the marketing, the jeans marketing lady who thinks she understands um, epidemiology. Well, you know what? I'm numerate and I can read the data. And I understood that coming, you know, the data coming out of Italy from the Princess cruise ship the average age of death was over 80. It was after it was older than the average life expectancy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that was the part I, that was the part 
the, I mean, that was the thing I kept trying to emphasize, which was, look, we, yes, we should, we did a horrible job of protecting patients in the nursing home. We did, we, yes. the group that we were supposed to protect, we didn't even do that. We damaged everybody else and we didn't protect the people we were supposed to protect. Right. However, I would remind people, I would always bring up the fact that the average life expectancy for a male admitted to a an institutional setting because they had progressed to the point they needed institutional support like a nursing home, average life expectancy is six months without COVID. Right. Six months. Right. And in right. the meantime, you have years of life lost of an eight-year-old who you've damaged and you know induced psychiatric pathology and damaged their developmental cognitive ability i mean it's just like this is these are immeasurably different phenomenon and by the way i kept saying also are you talking to the old people the grandparents are you talking to them right. are you asking them right. should we sacrifice their grandchildren to for for this should we do that they none of my patients would have said that they would have asked for a much more reasonable approach yeah, I mean, think about it. When you're an older person, what do you have? You know, you look forward to seeing your family and you look forward to seeing your mm -hmm. grandchildren. I mean, ask them about themselves, not even about the grandchildren. I, and I'm sure they'd want what's best, not all of them, but many of them would want what's best for their grandchildren. But I think for the, um, the elderly themselves, what are you locking them in the basement for? You know, they don't have that long to live anyway. Let's just be realistic. Of course, if you said that, you were called. No, they would tell me that. They would say, you're taking away three years of contact with my family. How many do I have? One, four left? You're taking half of my time remaining right. with my family away from me? I, that's Ask me about that. Don't Don't demand that I give that up. Or Terrible. we made them so afraid that they've chosen to stay in their basement still. I mean, I definitely know some older folks mm -hmm. like this. And that's really sad, too, because what are you waiting for? Andrew, you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, you go into the nursing home or you become elderly and you become compromised. A cold can be, you know, incredibly mm -hmm. dangerous. Like, mm -hmm. you, so you either choose to live those years of your life out and see your family and enjoy your grandchildren, or you lock yourself in your basement and live them out very alone that just seems so terribly sad to me and we just mixed up our priorities and we sort of prioritized yeah. lengthening their lives instead of enriching their lives yeah. so it's sad for the old folks too it's sad all around but we went insane yeah. and the reason i want to make the film is because as you said people are already trying to rewrite history and memory hole the mm -hmm. whole thing and i want people mm -hmm. to hear from mm -hmm. these kids themselves it's not a you know it's not meant to be in any way partisan I do feel the left totally politicized this entire thing because you were accused. Look, I come from the left. I was not an independent my whole life. I was a left of left of center. I no longer am. And I was accused of being, mm -hmm. you know, an alt-right Trumper. I still, I was accused of being a mm -hmm. Nazi. I mean, I don't even know what that has to do with anything. Um, and so I want people who supported lockdowns, who didn't, like, I don't want to just preach to the choir, right? I want people to yep. re-examine their priors and hear from the kids and what happened and hear from the parents who lost children, um, hear from the, the kids who were left home alone with three siblings and no adult supervision mm -hmm. who dropped out of high school. Like these are the real mm -hmm. life stories. Listen to these kids, understand what you supported and think about what you can do different next time, because this cannot happen again. It, it's, it, it cannot happen again. And I fear to your like point, this. It, like it, it will happen again because, you know, even mm -hmm. though there is some acknowledgement, hence the New York Times piece, this is, this is a catastrophic, this is catastrophic. There's still this sort of vibe that's like, well, COVID did it, not the lockdown. 
it was inevitable. It was COVID that did it. And, you know, us folks that supported it, whether it's Emily Oster and, you know, The Atlantic asking for amnesty or Scott Galloway on Bill Maher saying we need to offer give grace and forgiveness for the people who supported closures. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. what about my grace and forgiveness? What about your grace and forgiveness? We were right. But the general theme is for those that were wrong and advocated for extreme measures, they did it for the right reasons. And so they want to be forgiven because their hearts are pure. I might've been right mm. that it was for the wrong reasons. And I'm still a very terrible person <laughs> and I get no grace. Uh, you know, you were a dark, black hearted <laughs> individual. Yeah. You were, you yeah. were trying to hurt people. That, that is the, that was the conceit at the time. <laughs> Something's wrong with you. You don't care about people. You want them to die. You don't care. Murderer. Yeah. yeah. And that still Clearly. goes on. That's still that nonsense oh, still yeah. kind of bubbles up here and there. It's bizarre. And Frank, again, I'm, I'm disgusted by so many of these things. It really is a disgusting thing to see people do this. And ultimately, it is this mass formation, right? We were in a hysteria. Yes. And this, this hysteria keeps coming. And we're still in them. We're in, you know, we're still locked into a certain amount of hysteria right now on a lot of topics. I mean, it's it's come yeah. up in the Israeli conflict. It's come up in and so I I I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what has happened to us that that we're able to do this. And I ended up sort of giving up on the psychological sort of uh interpretation of this. Uh, although I do think the more narcissism, the more likely you are to see this kind of thing. But that this stuff happens in history. It happens a lot. Yeah. And you got to really study your history to prepare for these things and understand how they play out. Yeah. I, you know, I, I came to that myself as well. I thought, what is wrong with people at this point in time that is like they've mm -hmm. gone completely mad? And then I look back mm -hmm. at, you know, across time and geographies, and it happens all the time. And most people, sadly, would rather kind of be silent, stand with the group. In this case, you got to not just be silent and stand mm -hmm. with the group, but wrap yourself to yourself in virtue. You know, if you advocated mm -hmm. for staying home, mm -hmm. stay safe and sheltering in place and all this nonsense. Um, and very few people, less than 10% are willing to sort of stand up when they see a thing and know that it's ridiculous and take the slings and arrows that comes with that. Very few are. I think it's less than 10%. And that is just true. That is humanity across eras, across geographies. Um, that's just the way it is. The Milgram experiment bore the same thing out. We see it time and time again. And somehow when I realized that, I felt a little better. I don't know why, because I just realized, I guess that's human nature. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I felt better, but I know what you mean, <laughs> because understanding, understanding things has a certain amount of relief associated with it. Um, but I, I, my anxiety about what to do about it re remains. Do you know who Mark Cenchese is? You, I know you watch his stuff on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, he he yeah. really he he believes this is just happening all the time, and he's he's a very bright it guy, is. and he's a physicist, and he's a you know he's a psychologist at the same time. And I do recommend he's a good follow on on X. Do do check it out. Uh, but he um, well, where was I going with this? Well, I I have found myself the obsessing about yeah, uh, yeah I, obsessing about early twentieth century Russia later 20th century China, 1790 France. I mean, I'm just reading, 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 reading about all this stuff. I can't yeah. get enough of it. And the, the, in addition to my sense of how these things happen and, and this being a little bit different, I hope, um, but 
that you know the thing that is mathematically certain and again i know you study political science and i think history at stanford um that if the if you pull out the guillotines there's a mathematical certainty you will end on the guillotine uh and so this cancel culture that flies around people have to understand eventually it turns on you too well i think we're seeing that now um and I think, you know, a lot of folks on the far left are experiencing a taste of it um, get with the with the Middle East conflict. I think we can call it a war at this point. Hopefully there's a ceasefire mm -hmm. coming. Um, but you see folks on the far left chanting from the river to the sea mm -hmm. and sometimes mm -hmm. more violent phrases than that. Gas the Jews we've even seen. Um, and they're getting canceled. They're getting job offers rescinded. And now they're shrieking about free speech. It's interesting. Now they found their free speech backbone um, after mm -hmm. demanding the firing and the doxing of people for the last however many years. Um, so, yeah, you live by the sword, the die, but you die by the sword. I'm not I don't support it. I mean, I think it's really different. I don't want to get into the Middle East conflict. That's a whole other <laughs> a whole other thing. No, yeah, no. Um, I, I, and I you know what? March say your stupid stuff. I don't agree with it. I'm glad I know who you are and what you think. Now, if you provoke violence and if you are barricading Jewish students in the library at Cooper Union College, that's different. That's a physical threat. That is not speech. That is not mm -hmm. protected. But speech, I find it vile. I think you have every right to do it. And that's what I've said mm -hmm. from the beginning. I agree. Um, I don't know why people couldn't defend my right to say a thing. And that was one of the most upsetting things is friends I had for 30 years. I, I mean, I lost mm -hmm. all my friends. Um, Mark mm -hmm. Changizi is a friend now. You know, those of us who spoke out early and often, we found each other fast because we lost our friends. We lost our communities. And in some cases, we lost our jobs. And I say all the time, mm -hmm. I might not agree with you, but I'll defend your right to say that to the death. And no yeah. one. Colleagues yeah. I'd had for 20 plus years did not defend my right to say a thing outside of work. Right. And, and so I was seeing a little thread or uh, article, I guess this morning, where they were analyzing or looking at uh, Elon Musk's tweets over the last five years. Now, look, he's become so far right. And I thought, no, 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 he hasn't changed a bit. He's just gotten louder and more strident on this particular issue, which is freedom. Did you ever imagine that you'd be a freedom fighter at this stage of your life and that that would be something that you would be having to champion in this country? Did you imagine that? Goodness, no. I mean, I had somewhat of a history of standing up for kids. And I, you know, experienced a mini cancellation with my first book, which came out in 2008 in a much smaller community. I wrote about the abuse in the sport of gymnastics physical, emotional, sexual abuse back in 2008 before anybody was really talking about it. Well, I learned real fast you're mm. not supposed to talk about it. Um, this was in the days mm. before Me Too. Um, you just didn't. You know, I was dragged. I lost my gymnastics friends. I, you know, it was crazy. I was called a grifter and a liar. It was the early days of social media, so I didn't really get what was coming. You know, and I didn't. And I, I'm sure it hurt then, too. You actually, it actually oh, landed it was, back then. <laughs> you, it so, really, like, right you're now, less used to it. it. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, oh, it <laughs> right. Was, it was really, it blew my hair back. Um, it prepared me well, I will say, for this, um, you know, little bit yeah. of, of COVID dissension. Um, but, you know, 10 years later, I was redeemed when Larry, Larry Nasser, the doctor for Team USA, uh, mm -hmm. who sexually assaulted over 500 athletes, he went to prison for life in 2018. And I was redeemed for about, you know, 37 seconds until I started 
opening my mouth about COVID, but it came from the same place. Kids are voiceless. They will try to please the adults around them. And, you know, I was compelled to write that first book called Chalked Up because I knew that kids were still being abused in the sport. And as a 40-year-old, I was still suffering from the abuse that happened during my time as a gymnast. I mean, it was an insane world back then, and I knew it hadn't changed very much since the 80s. So I just I felt it was important um, that other children not go through what I went through. And that is why, in you know, I spoke up during COVID because I knew the children were suffering and I wish an adult had stood up for me when I was a child. Well, speaking, speaking to that point about the, the children suffering, I, I hope that those eight to 15 year olds that I was so concerned about that were harmed, I hope they grow up to be adults that are pissed. They should be furious at their government at all levels of government and it might induce some change. Are, are they angry? Are they, are they getting that reflective capacity yet? Or are they just going on with their lives? I think, you know, there's a young man in the, in the film. And the film is not done yet. But, you know, at, at YouTube, if you, if you go check it out at generation.covid, it's a, it's a teaser for the film. It's about a five and a half minute um, teaser. And you'll get a sense of, of the impacts to these, uh, these children. But there is a young man in the film. He's in the, in the trailer. His name is Bam, or he goes by Bam. His name is Garrett Morgan Jr. And he, he says our generation will not forgive and we will not forget. He lost oh. so many opportunities. Oh my God. You know, he comes from a right, Let's, uh, let's elevate that voice. Let's elevate that kid. Put him on a, that, that kid should be the poster child. I mean, Jay Bhattacharya oh, is my poster child for the excesses of COVID. Let's let that kid be the poster child for the, for the, the response to the excesses. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because Jay opens the trailer and Bam closes it. So that's our book. Oh, that's there. interesting. And he, yeah, he's been very outspoken. He comes from a not very well-off family in Queens. He gained 100 pounds uh, from being oh locked God, at home, depressed. He played football. He was counting on a football scholarship to go to college. His family can't afford college. He didn't get that. The public school kids were locked out of sports when the private school kids were playing. It goes on and on. So, you know, Bam is a kid and he's amazing. He is angry. He is not going. Uh, he's going to go into the world and he's going to make a difference. But what worries me is that I think a lot of kids took the message of you don't matter to mm. heart. And they are not mm. going to go into the world angry and raring to go. They're going to go into the world with low self-esteem and an inability, you know, to feel that they can actually make a difference in the world because we told them they didn't matter, that their needs didn't matter. And so I think it's, I think there's going to be a lot of children like that. And then you just have the kids who don't have the basic skills. You know, we, we do have, we have these two young women. They were both 15, maybe 14, 15 in Greeley, Colorado, large immigrant community here. No role models in their family that had gone to college, even high school. They didn't have any high school graduates in their family. Um, mm. And they both mm. just stopped going to school. They just stopped. Mm. They were caring for younger siblings. Uh, school wasn't sort of a priority. They, they were left home alone. I mean, their families, their mothers are, and their step-parents are all lovely. But the one mom worked a night shift the teenage girl was left at home with three children to take care of. Like, yeah. what is this kid supposed to do? So yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to those kids. Oh my God. I'm so upset. <laughs> so, uh, I, I hope yeah, this I thing in China this... doesn't trigger another. Go ahead. Oh, I, I want to 
to just say there USA. are some amazing people that are trying to make a difference. Like there's this organization in mm. Colorado called Zero Dropouts. They go door to door to get the kids to go back to school. Like, can we not have a national program that takes the zero dropouts model and just goes door to door and gets these kids to go back to school? Like the kids that have made it through have had inevitably some third party mentor, a coach or someone from zero Mm. dropouts or a guidance counselor. Like there have been amazing people that have helped get some children back on track. And I would just like to see some sort of national program the parallel economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7, a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, you want to, oh boy. Oh, he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's non-addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. Oh, hell yes. Or at least statewide, for God's sakes. But that states can pick up. But but to your point, uh, there, that actually is, bears out in the psychiatric literature too, which is that a, a single mm. positive sustained relationship outside the home dramatically changes the outcome for kids by adulthood. Yeah. So chalked up, there's chalked up. And let's... Yeah, let's put the other book up too. Let's put up um, a more recent one, which was the Levi Strauss story. Uh, I'm so pissed at them, by the way. I'm wearing my uh, non-Levi jeans today. Who is their biggest competitor? I'm going to go buy some jeans from them. Is it, uh, 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 depends. Uh, what lucky your price brands? Point is. Lucky brand? Uh, Wrangler is, lucky, is actually is the next biggest. Wrangler. Wrangler is still the okay, next everybody. biggest. Buy your Wranglers. Because I, I really do think that... Uh, that the pocketbook right now is about the only way you can really get people's attention. And I've noticed that kind of thing has started to happen a little bit. And I, I now I feel like a moral duty to do that kind of thing, to, to make some points. I, I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, people, I'm looking at the um, restream here. There's a lot of I agrees coming by there. I so. wanted to point out too, Drew, yes, that, go ahead. Uh, that book, uh, yeah. Chalked Up, that was published in 2008, but... Uh, USA yep. Gymnastics didn't take action against Larry Nassar until 2015. So there were qu- oh, yeah. quite a lot of bad stuff going on for many, many years, and people did not listen. Mm. It, I should add, yeah. I would like to add a point to that. Um, the first mm-hmm. reports of Nassar's um, criminal behavior came in 1997 and 1998 and were brushed under the rug. So mm. he, was, he went wow. on for decades. Yeah. It's pretty wild. The rot. 
It's funny. Yeah, I've gotten, I've Ramsey. gotten to know, uh, this is a, I'm, this is now a joke. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I'm, this is to, to make light of some of this stuff, not to, not to undermine what you're saying, but, uh, I've gotten to know Nastya Lukin very well. Oh. And, uh, she, and she was, yeah. And she was joking at lunch one time she, we were having, we were, we went to the Jordanian desert together and did this special forces show for Fox. And, and as we oh, wow. were sort of hanging out beforehand, she goes, I was asking about this stuff. And she goes, yeah, I was wondering, what's, what's wrong with me that he didn't abuse me? The guy did not abuse me. I understand. Is there something wrong with me? And she said there were a couple of them. They were, started, they were joking, but they started asking those kinds of, of questions of one another. But as always, you know, it, it always works that way with um, perpetrators, right? They, they pick, they pick yeah. the ones that, even if it's just instinctive, that they know they can get, get away with stuff. All right. Well, Jennifer, listen, I, I, I'm sort of, I'm running out of steam because I get, this gets so frustrating for me. It's, it's just so pleaded. Uh, Susan, do you have anything you want to ask Jennifer? Hold on one quick second. We'll put Susan No, on. I think she's been very thorough and she's a great mom and she's thinking about her kids first. And if I had kids, her kids age during this, I would have pulled my hair out. Yeah. You would have been one of them. I mean, my the kids were 27, 28, but they also were completely changed look at the camera look better if you look at the camera oh, hi. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> so um yeah but i i worry about the kids that were in middle school and high school and early college because yeah. it just it changed their lives and i yeah i've seen my kids change but they're adults but they're still changed yeah they, and, they've had to you yeah. know it rocked everybody it yeah, rocked and I, us all and i feel so bad and now they're talking about this new virus in china and it's affecting children so you know it's it's just another panic horn moment yeah. so well, we if, have it, to, if it really the problem is if it really is something how do we know how we who are we going to trust for the information right. I, I don't know who even to look to anymore i mean i guess jay bhattacharya uh, let's go to jay yeah. let's go to the guys that were actually right during covid well it's it's right before the holidays too so they're trying to you know stir things up for us it's just ridiculous i feel and like they tried with monkeypox which i'm not supposed oh, to call monkeypox i did know but that didn't really ever. work yeah oh why, yeah. why didn't they it tried work? like no crazy because yeah, we're, we're like, learning yeah, no we're thanks. learning yeah. and, and <laughs> yeah. that was and yeah. that was i mean of all that was so obviously a certain thing and it was just like yeah. you know any any cog you know cog awake person could could judge that to be the case but susan didn't i say when the oh what is this now what are you putting up there? this Taylor? is the uh their timeline of the uh public health emergencies of international concern how many they've oh, just yes. slowly added up including monkeypox Yes, they, they, they've suddenly ramped up the number of uh, infectious outbreaks that are of uh, international concern, and yet none of them have been of international concern. But no. Susan, didn't so, I say yeah. when the when the mom when the moms get worked up, we're, that's when things are going to change? Oh yeah, the moms are going to change the world. They're, yeah, that's yeah. the only way it's going to happen. And so Jennifer, I suggest you put on your torch and you get your pitchfork and lead them on, please. <laughs> You know what? I've had my torch and my pitchfork. I, look, I, you know, what else can they do to me now? And nothing else can be done. I've been outspoken from the beginning. I do have a cohort yeah. of mom and there've been some other amazing dads as well. And I, we can't let them off the hook. Look, Gavin Newsom is trying to rewrite history. Our governor or your governor, not mine anymore, is trying to pretend he had nothing to do with it. That's, that's a blatant lie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a lie. It's just disgusting. We can, 
disgusting. It's it's really, really gross. And we can't let them get away with it because they will do it again in a heartbeat. And we cannot afford to have that happen. That's the problem. That is the problem. We need to learn from this. And I, I'm not I'm not one of these people that thinks people should be punished, but I do think they should be uncomfortable and they should be forced to apologize. But I don't want to see what happened to you uh, and your place of employee happened to a bunch of other people because they were in, in a panic. Um, some people might want to see some real consequence, and I'm sure there will be some real consequences along the way. If your job is public health, which should be about total health, right? Not just the mm -hmm. prevention of one infectious yep. disease. If your yep. job is about population yep. level health, then I think you probably mm -hmm. did your job pretty poorly in this case. So mm -hmm. I actually, mm -hmm. it's not punishment. I mean, some people are sort of calling for heads, you, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of, I, but I don't really think you deserve to have your job. You're not very good at it. Mm -hmm. You really didn't care for the mm -hmm. public's health. You know, in my case, I led uh, uh, the world's biggest, most famous, and most beloved jeans brand. My advocating mm. for young children to get to go to school had nothing to do with my ability to perform that job. And by the way, I was right. And by the way, I worked for the brand yeah. that, you know, the yeah. campaign that I led was Use Your Voice. So apparently it was Use Your Voice, but not that voice. <laughs> Right. Yes. That's that's what happened to Aaron Cariotti. If I don't know if you're Aaron, he's a bioethicist who said, Now I've got to walk the walk. I gotta raise my hand and go, you don't have the quality, you don't have the ability to make these mandates scientifically. It's just not there. Fired. So here we are, uh trying to put everything back together again and make sure this doesn't happen again. Caleb, I hear your voice in there. What's going on? Oh uh, no, I just wanted to say, Jennifer, you know, I think a lot of very good, very moral people would have just taken the million dollars and shut up. And I think you've done an amazing mm -hmm. job just sticking mm -hmm. with it, putting your message out there. That was the harder path to go. I, my parents raised me thing. well. I probably would have taken yeah. the million dollars and shut up. I probably would have. But, <laughs> but, I, so but I, I'm, I, not sure your wife, yeah. I'm not sure your yeah. wife would have if her kids were <laughs> no, well-being exactly. was on the line. No, exactly. I'm not kidding. It's a, it's right. a mom thing. Yeah. It's, a mom it's true. Thing. It's true. There are some things that are, are worth way more than that. So I, I applaud you for that decision. And I hope that you uh, have many rewards in your future for making the right choice there. Mm. Thank you. I mean, people say to me all the time, why was that the hill you were willing to die on? And I say every single time, why weren't you? If you aren't willing to stand mm. up for kids and our basic freedoms like speech, then I don't think you have a hill. And, you know, have a good time looking yourself in the mirror and living with that. And I think one of your subtitles of one of your books was How, how I Lost My Job but Found, Found My Voice, something like that. Right? Yeah, that was for Levi's. But I mean, I had my voice before, but I really, you know, kind of, <laughs> and now sort of known as, I mean, I obviously, I found my, I found my loud me. voice, my, my outdoor voice. I, <laughs> I found a very loud voice and that's more of a platform, you know, so any attempt to silence me didn't really work. And I just really La hope last I mean, question. the book was, yeah. Go ahead. You really hope. Finish. Oh, I was just going to say the finish book that. is an exhortation to speak up. I know it's scary. Mm. I know there are yeah. risks. Mm. Uh, but if we do it together, we're not alone and they can't cancel us all. They can't. Yes. So right. stand they with me. They can try. <laughs> they can yes. try. But I'm it won't you. work. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm with you. Last question is, as someone that studied history, do you, do you have a sense of what this all is and how this happens? Have you learned something about it now that we've lived through or are living through these waves of mass formations? Oh, goodness. If I knew that. Um, I mean, I do think for whatever reason, and I don't know if woke is a word you don't like or do like, but I'm going to use it as a shorthand. I think, you know, no COVID lockdown forever became part of the kind of woke ethos and sort of platform. Mm. And I think 
wokeness is this very dangerous thing that divides us into two categories, you know, oppressors and oppressed. And Mm. the oppressed have a right to any um, behavior and the oppressors are always evil no matter what they do. And I was billed as an oppressor in all of this. And I do think that dynamic and wokeness is the name for it right now is a slow and steady move towards socialism, communism. And that, you know, history would, would bear that out as well. And so I think it's important that that we do away with all of that. Or serious, serious, serious conflict, which is the other place it goes. So yes, I would, I would, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a great uh, place to finish. Um, I thank you for being here. Don't be afraid to say that either. Yeah. A lot of people are afraid to say that. They just, they can't, you know, they kind of, oh, you know, communism is right, left of woke. But, Definitely. but people don't appreciate, they, there are something like 30% of uh, Gen Zers or their millennials are, are, have a favorable sort of a notion that maybe communism is the direction we should go kind of thing. And it's, they, you really, we, we're really not, we're not teaching history. <laughs> that's what that means. We that's are not the, teaching history. That, that's the thing that scares me the most, you know, after decades of safe spaces. And I mean, I think a, a, yeah. a very significant percentage of Gen Zs, and I have two of them, actually don't believe in free mm. speech. They don't. Yeah. yeah. They think you and I shouldn't get to say what we think if it hurts their feelings. Yeah. Oof. That's Ugh. A, that is a that's. And a, after you send them through college, they come back Marxists. So well, prepare yourself. But so, but so what I don't get, and then I'll end here, is like there was some of that when I was in college too, and we're probably close to the sure. same age. I'm a Gen X, and yeah. it was like a thing yeah. you did in college, and then you didn't do that anymore. But that's not what's happening, you know. They come out mm-hmm. and they bring that to the workplace, which, by the way, they're not actually communists. They're working in corporate America and calling for the heads of, you know, the oppressors. Um, so it's all sort of bullshit anyway. And they don't really know what they're talking about. And they're screaming about river to the sea, and they don't know what river. Um, and they're sort of, you know, looking at this current conflict as a brown ver- or black and brown versus white conflict, which is not what it is. And um, but you're right, we're not teaching history, and they don't understand the perils of this orthodoxy. Just study your history, everybody. Study your history, please, dear God, study So funny, because our kids were just out of college, and we had to live with three Marxists. It was great. That must have been They figured it out. Oh, it was great. They figured it out. (laughs) Reality has a way of coming in. All right. Well, (laughs) that's really funny. All right, Jennifer, thank you so much. And it's uh, Say Anything. Uh, S-E-Y or say everything. everything, say anything, right? Everything. Say everything. Say everything. everything. There it is up there on our on our screen. Uh, and there is the book and then the documentary trailer. And I uh, hope you'll uh, not be a stranger. Thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay, you got it. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. And that Susan, you wanted a chance to say that. So let's get Susan on camera. She wanted to wish everyone, uh, both everyone that was, works with us, all of our guests, all of our Caleb and, and uh Thank and you. And- I'm thankful for... Our team here at Ask Dr. Drew. I'm thankful for my lovely husband who lovely who is always <laughs> keeping me on my toes. And I'm I'm very thankful that my family is healthy and happy and we're all gonna be together for Thanksgiving this year and not worry about wearing a mask. We're um so lucky to have a great audience and hope 
Everybody has a great Thanksgiving. And, and our sponsors have been great. They really have Oh, yeah. Thanks so to our sponsors. And, you know, excited about and this their shop. families. Susan, and I don't know about the, your, this shop, but I'm over your shoulder there and on the computer <laughs> screen. And so they can see me at the same time. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. But, that's uh, cute. That's interesting. I didn't even set the camera up how it should be. I don't, oh, Caleb's, I Caleb's no moving me in closer. <laughs> 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 if you roll back towards the uh, computer screen, then, then I'll be more <laughs> prominent. It doesn't matter. I think Caleb's behind me, too. So. Oh, yeah. Look, Caleb's on the screen there. Eh, eh, no, that's you. That's okay. you a second time. <laughs> we just set up the yeah, studio. <laughs> I'm very thankful for that. And we're um, we're going to be having in-studio guests coming up so that everybody can see the rest of the room. And, yeah, everybody have a great Thanksgiving. Yes, we really wish everyone a, a lovely Thanksgiving. Enjoy yourself. Live, everybody. I want people to live and enjoy. And, and enjoy is the word. And that's something that's a shared experience with people you care about. And just just lean into that. that that's this, this is what they were paying no attention to for the last several years and still not concerned about when they tell you you have to be careful when you gather with your family at Thanksgiving. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, we need okay. to be together. We need human connection. Oh, and boy, do we. Everybody's looking forward to it. It's yeah. it's just so nice because, you know, we don't see everybody together except for at Thanksgiving and Christmas. So and next time. week we are back on Monday. Is Mark Garagos my guest on Monday? He's coming yes. into the studio? Okay, so Monday. Yeah, we're going to have some new cameras set up. I hope we can get this all going, but I, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, that's uh, 3 o'clock guest and uh, 28th uh, noon with uh, Kelly Victory and Seamus Bruner. Uh, December 4th, Tom Rents comes by. Nicole and Jemmy on December 5th. Ed Dowd back with Kelly on December 6th. So we'll see you. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you on Monday with Mark Garagos. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Oh.